Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. What's up? Welcome. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Logan coming to us from Mobile, Alabama, (laughs) site of the Senior Bowl. Logan, uh, how is it down there? I miss the Senior Bowl. It's probably one of my favorite events on the NFL calendar. It's cool, man. Like I came down here and not really knowing what to expect. First off, my trip down here was absolutely insane, but finally, yes. finally made it, got here. And it's so different than like the combine, for example, there's so much less like sheen on it and your, your access to scouts, your access to coaches is just so much greater because it's just, they're right there. You can talk to the players after every practice if you want to. It's, it's pretty cool. So, um, I don't know. I, I like the event. I like the access. I like the way it's structured and obviously the way it's run. Uh, so I'm just excited to, you know, we'll talk about practice from yesterday, uh, but, you know, excited to talk, just watch the rest of the week and see how these guys play. Cause I'm here, I'm here really for the football as much as all that other stuff is great, you know? Yeah. I mean, the access is, is the best that you get. And it's also the access to the players. Um, it is the only event that's like this. I mean, I guess if you go to like the NFLPA college bowl or some of the right. other small or the, bowl shrine games, bowl. the shrine bowl, you get some of that as well, but like the senior bowl, because it's not NFL run. Like that's, that's the other thing that is. Um, I don't want to say nice about it and like take a dig at the NFL, but like it's run by the senior bowl organization, um, Jim Nagy and, and the crew down there do such a great job of running it. And because there's kind of less of the formal barriers, I mean, I used to watch practice. I try, I try to always get one practice in sitting next to like one of the, the Washington scouts and just be like, let's talk ball keep an eye on practice. Hey, what do you like about this guy? You know, and they, they would be cool with it. And that's just not a thing that you can do, um, really anywhere else. And then also, you know, you get to watch the workouts. That's the other thing. Like in, at the combine, it, it's always so silly because you're there in Indy watching on TV, like everyone right. else. And so if you can actually get access to see these guys up close, you have a better feel for them and you can do, especially if you're someone like you with your background and, and your knowledge level, like you get some, some football knowledge that you uh, are some, some glean, some things that you can't watching tape that you can't, mm-hmm. um, you know, just by hearing or reading scouting reports, you can really see the size, feel the strength, see the speed. Um, I remember I'll, one last quick story for me before we get into what you've seen so far and how the commanders are treating this, uh, Whatever year Baker came out. Was that 18, I think, um, that um, he came out? Yeah. Maybe, Whatever year he know. came out. Um, he 
came like a couple days late and it was like a big mystery. Is Baker going to come? Is he not? Is he, is he going to come? Is he not? And we finally found out like, yeah, he's coming. And he shows up and the whole tenor of the week changed. Mm-hmm. And like, you could see the leadership, you could see the charisma and then he starts throwing and you can see the arm. And I remember being down there going, that dude's going number one. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know there's other guys that are in consideration here. He's going to beat out them all because just his demeanor Mm-hmm. He, the way he carried himself, his energy, the way he he stole the week, I was like, that's a franchise quarterback. Right. And obviously, it's it's gone up and down for Baker in his career. He had some really good years in Cleveland, and obviously, it's kind of gone downhill. But there, there was no surprise to me when he ultimately went number one to Cleveland based off of that Senior Bowl week. So those are the kind of things that you can feel in person. Um, so what is kind of the vibe down there this week? I know it's a bit of a lighter roster in terms of star power than some previous years. Sure. Um, but w- what is the vibe down there in Mobile for the Senior Bowl this year so far? Well, I think the I think the the roster that they've constructed down here kind of reflects the draft. So what I mean by that is there's a lot of like really talented edge rushers, supposedly, right? Guys who are going to be, you know, maybe not the number one guys in the draft. Like Tyree Wilson was supposed to be down here the kid from Texas tech, who's like six, six, he's got those like uh, 36 inch arms. He's like kind of this year's um, Trayvon Walker, you know, kind of athletic freak, really big dude. And he was supposed to be down here, but then he's projected to be a top five pick. So it's like, well, actually I'm not going to come. And so you lose some of those kind of top end guys, but, uh, and I, so there's that element. Then there's the, you know, the offensive line this year, I think is very, is deeper than people are going to talk about. I don't think the top three guys are as good, as they were last year, but I think the middle of this draft class for the O-line is, is really talented, and that shows up every day. There's three good centers. They all practice really, really well. Um, and then there's this is a very deep cornerback class, and all like the top, I think it's like top eight, nine, ten guys who are kind of projected to go in the first, top of the first, top of the second, aren't here. Um, but I will say that this is kind of where you find that second, third, fourth round gem. And there's some guys that have done a nice job. I will say the thing that's a little disappointing, obviously, is the quarterback play because all the top guys are the top guys. And these guys are a little bit middling. And then the um, the receivers are kind of so-so. I think there's some good backs here and so some good linebackers. But I think the receiver talent is probably the lowest. And, and I think that reflects um, the overall draft composition, like the top end receivers, Addison, and Johnson are good players, but are they first round picks in another year? Probably not, you know? So I think that, um, you know, that I think that, that this draft class is kind of the, the senior bowl reflects the draft class in, in a really specific way. If you look at those strengths and weaknesses and, and kind of look ahead to some of the teams in front of Washington, do you think this ultimately plays out to be a good thing for Washington? Because while some of the strengths don't match up, a lot of them do, specifically on that O-line. Yeah. Um, so like early look, it's, it's February 1st. Yeah. Uh, the, the draft is still April, but this is what we do for a couple of yeah. months. Like, How does the draft and the talent pool shape up for Washington if they were to stay at 16? Yeah, so I think the thing that I've been kind of kicking around is that I think the first three <clears throat> offensive linemen are probably going to be gone. Uh, Broderick Jones, who I haven't watched yet, is project has been projected to us in a couple of mock drafts. He would be a possibility at 16, but I've also seen mocks where all three of those guys are gone already. Um, the kid from Northwestern, the left tackle from Ohio State, 
and then uh, Roger Jones, right, are the top three guys. And if that's the case, I think then they probably go DB in the first round because, like I said, there's like literally like eight to ten guys who are, you know, probably have first round grades that are kind of being mocked in the first round. So obviously a very very deep cornerback group, and I think that that's going to characterize the first round. I think you'll see probably eight DBs go, and I think Washington will probably be a team that takes one. If that's true, and there are eight DBs selected, I think that bodes well for them getting a very talented offensive lineman in the second round. Now. We could do a lot of talking about offensive line. I don't know how much you want to talk about that on the podcast, but this is, a again, a, like a deep group with some guys that I think are very, very good football players. And, uh, yeah, and I'd like to probably delve into that a little bit, I think. Yeah, no, let's do it. Um, because the commanders – so, like, if we were to identify team needs, um, we would say they need another corner. Um, a nickel corner would be ideal, I think, because um, you got St. Juice mm-hmm. on the outside, and then uh, we'll see what they do with Kendall or with Kendall, uh, whether they bring him back uh, as is contract wise, whether they they restructure him, uh, or you might need another outside corner. Um, you know, depending on what you you do with some of the other guys, um, the younger guys, and how they develop. Uh, and then also, I mean, Danny was good, but I, I think they're very clearly looking to upgrade it at slot mm-hmm. corner. So so DB right. certainly uh, is a need offensive line they need at least two if not three right. um and then they probably need another linebacker um and the good news is that kind of ends the list of like need needs there's need other needs, things like yeah. they need they need a kick returner um but that's not high on your list necessarily and it's the kind of thing you can get for a bargain in free agency um so there's there's like definitely other things but those are your highest level needs and you've got your first round pick and a ton of cap space to be able to do that if you don't blow a ton of money on a quarterback Mm -hmm. so uh by the way speaking of quarterbacks uh we will react to the tom brady news uh, coming up at the end of the podcast someone who obviously will not be going to the commanders because he's not going anywhere (laughs) um but uh how like that that's kind of the interesting thing is like okay you're gonna use some money on free agents at Mm -hmm. a premier position and one of those premier needs and then your first round draft pick theoretically is going to get the other. But the hard part is like the the free agency period coming first mm-hmm. means you kind of got to guess. Um, right. So what kind of depth if, if you say like, all right, we're going to leave one of these O-line spots for the draft. How does that match up with where they're sitting and kind of the depth of the draft? What kind of what caliber of player you can get, not just over the long term, but immediately at right tackle at the guard spots and even frankly at center where chase Rouye, if you wanted to move on from him contractually like you could save a decent amount of money and with the injury history it feels like you need some some depth there uh, because you can't necessarily count on him right so i think what you'll probably end up doing is is this free agent market is not very good so i think that obviously immediately just bumps the value of the draft right so um you know everyone says oh you can wait on corner you can find a quarter in free agency not a great cornerback for agency but very strong <clears throat> excuse me, very strong in terms of drafts offensive line there's orlando brown jr in kansas city and then there's caleb mcgarry in atlanta i would imagine they're going to try and ex- find a way to extend caleb in atlanta and i would imagine they're going to do something to keep orlando brown jr in kansas city so um you know if those top free agents are off the board like who do you go to and it's the list is not very long so i, I will say you know if, if if i'm if i'm the commanders what i'm thinking is i probably go corner in the corner or offensive tackle in the first round and then i get the other one in the second round i would probably say corner because i, I think the corner 
class really dips off. And I think um, if I was going to kind of point to something specifically, so like there's some guys here who are pretty good cornerbacks, right, at the Senior Bowl. And of the guys that were supposed to do well, um, not all of them did did very well. And the guy that did really well was Julius Burtz out of Kansas State, who is this 6'3", 200-pound corner who played a lot of uh, cover four in college and looked like he struggled at times, but was probably the best in the one-on-ones yesterday, right? So interesting, like Tyreek Stevenson, um, you know, Rajon Wright, these guys that were supposed to be really good, who I have higher grades on from the tape they performed not as well as this other guy, Julius Bird. So it's like, again, how do you weigh that? But I think that the second class of corner in this class is probably not as good as those top end guys like, like Devon Witherspoon or something like that. So I would probably go corner in the first round just because I think the value is a little bit better there for the team. I think there's a lot of them that are really good. And then I'd say you kind of get your pick of offensive linemen. So there's Jalen Duncan from Maryland. He measured a little bit smaller than a lot of people thought, but He's like Trent Williams athletic. So that's always exciting. But despite this Trent Williams athleticism, he's super inconsistent like on film. So this is a big week for him. For coaches, you mentioned like getting to know him. I talked to some guys uh, from Washington who said that they were really interested in speaking with him because they want to kind of understand where this inconsistency comes from, you know, and, and understand him better as a player, right? Then there's Matthew uh, Bergeron from Syracuse. Again, a guy that is – very take consistent. him because he went to the best school on earth. I mean, yeah, I do. I mean, but like he's he looked good. Like that's the thing. Like we're gonna go through a lot of offensive linemen because they all look good and they all look good in one on ones, which is for an offensive lineman, Craig. As you know, like very very hard to do. Like they all yeah. looked dominant. And then like Darnell Wright, the kid from Tennessee, who's six six. I think he weighed in at three forty five. Huge man. He looked like that dude. Like he looked like a first round guy. And so the fact that he's here. Like, is he trying to bump himself into the first round? Maybe. But if he's available at 16, I think you sprint to the podium to get him. Because he, I don't want to say he was the most dominant offensive lineman here, because there was a couple other guys who had good days. But I was so impressed with him. Like, if I was his agent, I'd be like, hey, man, you could probably go home now. You know, like. And that happens, by the way. You have a good day at the Senior Bowl, and you get some buzz. And, you know, scouts are reaching out to your, your, or to you as an agent. Like, hey man, like we really like your guy. I don't know that he needs to do a lot more. Yeah. You you shut it down. Yeah. Like just watching him in like in one on ones, like his you know, he's three he's three forty five. So for him to the kick back in his pass sets, for him to sit on bulls the way he did in the run game, the the short area quickness to just kind of pop someone in the mouth. Like I was super impressed with him. He had the best game against the best defensive player in college football, Will Anderson in Alabama. So for me, I know he's only had one really good year of college production, so the consistency thing there from a season standpoint, like year to year, I think is really interesting. But I was so impressed with him. So it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the week goes um, with that. And then I want to say like Tyler Steen out of Alabama. Again, like like we've already talked about four people who had excellent days in one-on-ones, which is a defensive drill. You know what I'm saying? It like right. doesn't make a lot of sense that they all had good days, but there's no way all of these guys go in the first round is my point. So if all these, so you know, maybe like Darnell Wright sneaks into the first round, and maybe Dewan Jones, the Ohio State tackle, who's everyone's talking about. He's six eight. He weighed in at three seventy five. He's got thirty sec, thirty six and three quarter inch arms, which is like that's a, that's a lot of reach. It's an alien number. He was dominant in one on ones yesterday. I, I, we watched him. Remember, Craig, we watched him. Um, yep. And he's again. There's a little bit of athletic inconsistency, but because he has this tremendous length. And because he is a good athlete for a man that size, like he might screw around and sneak into the first round. So if let's say Darnell Wright and um, 
Dewan Jones sneak into the first round or the early in the second, you still have a pick of three really good offensive linemen who could play right tackle for you if you're picking in that in that second round area. So for me, I was just super impressed. And then we haven't even talked about the centers. And I think the centers are maybe the most interesting one because Ron, Marty have all kind of specified that they're really interested in finding a center, a young center, a guy that can do some stuff for them. And the kid from uh, Minnesota, what's his name? Uh, John Michael Schmitz. I, like John looked, Jacob Jingleheimer Schmitz. Yes, right. He looks got my inner Chris Berman and it came out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he John looked like, Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. He looked like the best center in the draft. Now, is he going to be there in the third round if you pick a right tackle in the second? Like, probably not, but did a great job in pass protection, could reach a shade, all those things, which I was a little uncertain about watching because he's not the fastest footed guy in the world. And then I'm not even going to attempt this guy's name. Actually, I'm going to attempt it. It's a, a, a slew gun. Olawatam is what I'm going to say from Michigan is a center who's kind of in that same sphere as Schmitz didn't have as great a day, but is still a good football player. Does he sneak to the third? Can you get your center of the future there? I don't know. And then there's all these guys who are guard converts who are now playing center to kind of show their position versatility. So maybe you fall in love with one of those guys. So the point is, yeah. long story short, really good opportunity to build your offensive line out and not have to pay a premium in terms of first round pick for it, I guess is what I'm saying. If 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 you want to pick him in the first round, pick him in the first round. If you don't feel like that's a necessity and you f- feel like corner value is better, I think there's there's four guys that on, at offensive tackle you feel really good about, and then there's two centers, probably three centers that you feel really good about. So right. I think that bodes well for Washington in terms of addressing some of the issues that they have. And a ton of guards, obviously, as you were just talking about as well. For whatever it's worth – um, looking at one mock draft, um, and I've looked yeah. at a couple, um, but just I have one in front of me right now to not like start just reading off a bunch of mock drafts on a podcast. But like this is from the Athletic a couple days ago, um, and they've got kind of the tackle corner run starting at eight with Paris Johnson. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you got the kid from Northwestern going ninth, uh, Peter Skaronsky, which is a great offensive lineman name. Right. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. Uh, going ten is a corner. Uh, 12th, you've got, oh, so that was Jordan Addison, wide receiver. Uh, Broderick Jones going 13th uh, to the Jets. Uh, and then Devin Witherspoon going 15th. And then 16, Christian Gonzalez right. uh, to, or the corner out of Oregon going to Washington with Ke- uh, Kelly Ringo, the corner out of Georgia going after him in this mock. So like that, that, corner offensive tackle run like that's going to be a fun thing to talk about on draft night because those guys are probably going to start going in that range now in the same mock draft you scroll down to the second round and you have kind of the same thing happening again Mm, you know around that those same picks um cody mouch the offensive line out of north dakota state goes 43 um then you have uh, Washington taking Jalen Duncan, the tackle out of Maryland at 47. Right. Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma, offensive tackle going 48. So you kind of have a lot of the similar guys with, with by the way, Matthew Bergeron, the Syracuse guard, not going until later. Darnell Wright going later. Uh, Dewan Jones going later. So like kind of that 40 to 55 range, you're going to see that yeah. next run on both corners and offensive linemen, at least the way the draft is shaping up right now. We have two months for teams to reshape their boards, but like that's what we're looking at. Right, and I think that that feels right. Now, I think the names will probably, they'll for sure change in right. terms of sequencing. Like based on yesterday, so one day of Senior Bowl, Darnell Wright and Dewan Jones will go before 
Duncan, I think, based right. on yesterday's practice. Now, when they get to the combine, they have interviews, all of those things show up, and maybe it reshuffles back to normal. But I think that's exactly what you're looking at. You're looking at a high tackle DB run, and you're looking at another one in the second round. And I think if you didn't get your DB in the first round, you're getting him in the second round. And if you didn't get your tackle in the first round, you're getting in the second round. And I think if you're a team that needs that stuff, like Washington, I think you're in a really good spot, quite frankly. So, like, of all the years to kind of have a down receiver class, to have all these kind of issues with the draft, the two areas of strength, I think, are things that Washington needs. So, right. perfect, you know? Yeah, and then we'll see, obviously, what happens with, like, Deron Payne. All of a sudden, if they have two first-rounders because they make a trade right. there, like, you know, could they get two really high-level starters depending on who they trade with, all that kind right. of stuff uh, is certainly in the mix.